0: This is CrewCast, a podcast about the most infamous band in rock history. Your resident crew head Jason, here with you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If it's the first time, please hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. Of course, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get it. And give us a follow on social media. It's CrewCast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Jesse Achaka, of course, a CrewZM Curator, and also Jesse Jesse's Custom Designs. Thanks for joining me on the pod, brother thanks for having me dude it's an honor it's always cool to talk to a fellow crew head and man you've got a co- collection that uh that i envy it is phenomenal your crew merch
1: <laughs> thanks Brad. thanks yeah it's uh 30 1985 was when i started when i was nine um and it all started theater pain A&L, album when i saw smoking in the boys room and i think it was metal edge or um I can't remember. One of the magazines, the first pinup um, yeah. from that was hooked, and there's every magazine that came out with them in it um, book. And then you know, I went went through the backlog. Shout at the devil. Too fast for love. Yeah, you know, it's
0: hooked hooked from <laughs> And we all had that hook point for me. I didn't even I don't know if you caught on the podcast course, Shout at the Devil was the album yeah. that hooked me. Just yeah. seeing four of the gnarliest looking fucking dudes on the planet. I was like, What is this? And that right. element of danger and being a little bit scared, and yet the music just right. kicking ass and something about it, even at six, like, like, oh, that makes me feel not so weird. And right. you know. I was just off to the races. Were your parents pretty?
1: It was more of a visual thing for me at first, like the Smoking Boys and video, and you know, just the way they looked was was cool. And I mean, the music was obviously that's kind of what sticks. That's why I'm still a huge fan. The music just um, hits that nerve. But the the look originally, you know, you, you and me, man, MTV generation <laughs> growing up, um, you know, guys in our 30s and 40s, um, I think we were lucky enough that they actually played music and videos and that was a vehicle for a band back then. And now it's, I don't know, man, I don't know how, how things work now, but, um, back then it was, it was, the image was huge. It yeah. Was huge.
0: Well, and it was a cool thing when we were younger too. And, and with the rock bands that, that we grew up with and loved, like you learned about the guys in the band, like they each developed a personality, you know, uh, uh, Jesse, of course, you got an Aerosmith uh, placard in the background. Like we knew, we knew Steven Tyler, Joe yeah. Perry, you know, we knew yeah. all the players in the band and like, that's gone away. You can go and see a band now and not even know, or, I mean, some of the biggest rock bands in the world have replaced almost all the members, but one or two and people just, they don't know, they don't care. And you know, that's kind of gone yeah, that's away. What, that. That's
1: what's shocking to me that these bands that are out there that are, um, you know, pretty iconic. I mean, you get the whole kiss thing. I don't know what side you stand on with, uh, <laughs> with the guys in the makeup now, but you know, you, you have these bands that are just carrying on and, and I guess it's, it's nostalgia thing. So I've, I've kind of, I've gone past it, you know, yeah. um, to me, it doesn't matter that it's not all the same guys in the band anymore. At least they're out there and they're bringing the music to the people, you know, and it's the same thing I dealt with, with crew, man. I mean, I will be honest. I was pissed. When these guys came back i was like how dare you <laughs> <laughs> so, not so much for myself but i know a lot of fans man they spent a lot of money they thought that was going to be the last tour they, they went out to la made a whole you know pilgrim pilgrimage out to the sunset strip to see everything and they spent a lot of money man probably dipped into their savings and thinking that that was the last time they were going to see them yeah. and then um in true crew fashion, slap in the face. <laughs> you
0: <know?
1: laughs> um, but, you know, and like I said, I'm not going to that tour. I'm not going to go see it. And sure enough, I just was at, you know i spent my friday and saturday night at family park rocking
0: out <laughs> <laughs> yeah you saw two i'm only getting one the san francisco date, but yeah like on the kiss thing like i've told people is you got to remember okay they did have a farewell tour and then peter and ace were gone so technically it's farewell to the original lineup granted yeah. do i prefer it over the lineup that i had seen yeah, it's kind of like um, I got to see the crew when uh, uh, Randy Castillo was on drums and I got to see when Samantha Maloney stepped in when he was sick. Would Do yeah. you prefer it with Tommy Lee? Yeah, you do, but, you know. And, that, and that's a huge – I know you guys have talked about that on
1: the, on the podcast before, and, and I totally agree. When he's missing, any of them, Mick, Nick, I mean, you know, Mick and Nick the only two that never – have never you know been off that stage as a motley crew unit um and you know i, I didn't get to see at that tour I, I bought tickets they were supposed to come here but that that tour got canceled before it made it up this way um and then i missed the castillo um i, I believe that was the new it wasn't a new tattoo what was that it yeah was the scorpion new,
0: yeah it was maximum just rock. maximum rock yeah rock. yeah i missed that
1: one because of a uh, I don't know why I didn't catch that one, but the next tour, the new tattoo, which was the second Maximum Rock Tour, I saw that with Samantha Molyne. I was expecting to see Randy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had no idea because again, was internet was not what it is now, social media. So I'm showing up. I'm in the parking lot, like talking to somebody about like, can't wait to see Randy because I had seen Randy with Vince. Oh, okay. On solo. and I was shocked because I was expecting to see Vicky Fox. And he was gone, and I'm like, who's this dude? And actually, he had a shaved head, which is why I didn't even recognize that it was Randy's. His head was, like, buzzed. I don't think it might have been at the beginning of, like, some of the cancer treatments or something. I don't know. Um, and uh, I actually, I'll be honest, man, I was kind of disappointed. I was like, wow, he does, it, it's not Tommy. Yeah. You know, and even that new tattoo album is not Tommy. You can hear it. It's not him. And that vibe isn't there. Still a great album, I love it. But um, without him there, man, it's... It's uh, it's not the same. It's not the same band.
0: Yeah, it's the situation of the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. With Motley Crue, there's just some about those four guys They get together. Yeah. There's there's magic.
1: Yep. So yeah, it's, just, even when we got on, like the other night, you know Vince, the first night he had a rough a rough go. Um, but dude, there's just something, man. You look up there, and he's got that swagger. Nikki, same thing and it's like it doesn't always sound the best but it's just that attitude and that energy that comes off the stage and then gets pushed back onto the stage from the fans it's um, it's it's why they are who they are you know
0: yeah I, I've always felt that way about Kiss too like Tommy Thayer is a really good guitar player that's doing the Spaceman character so to speak yep. but it's just something about the way that ACE played and kind of the looseness of Peter Chris that, you know, those, are those original early album songs that they, you know, recorded on that just, uh, the, it, it just has a different vibe. It just does. Yeah. Totally. Yep. Let's jump back then to more in childhood. So you're about nine years old, your Motley Crue fandom takes off. Like were your parents totally like, Hey, Jesse. Yeah. Whatever, man. Keep do, do your thing. Yeah. I always
1: had support from, um, my parents and pretty much anything i did um around that time um i was huge into hockey um, i was a hockey goalie just gotten into it which oddly uh, enough that's primarily what i do now is uh, paint hockey goalie masks along with vince's guitars but um anything i did i got support so i'm definitely thankful to my parents for that um and then you know i had friends whose parents wouldn't let them listen to rock music or you know back then you had the the stigma that went along with all that, you had the PMRC and, you know, you know, even being kids, we didn't know it was all gimmicky and none right. of that stuff meant what everybody thought it meant. So my parents were just kind of like cool. I mean, I never listened to lyrics and I still don't listen to lyrics. I listen to the groove and being a musician and being a bass player because of Nikki and Gene, I listen to the groove and then the melody and the hooks. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I can't, and that's why I was never understood. People like going, "Oh, no, Vince doesn't sing all the lyrics or the words like I'm like, "Well, go back and listen to any of those bootlegs," and he never did. Yeah, you know, he doesn't use the the slap effects that they used to use back then. You know, I remember the first time I saw them was 1989 on the Doctor Field tour, and it was kind of annoying live because he would sing and be like, bad yeah, oh bow," it was like this echo effect, but it filled up what wasn't being sang. You know, so. Right. Um, it, it was, um, not a big deal to me that they could, you can't know, hear the lyrics and stuff. Cause I never really listened to that, but, um, yeah, no. So getting off topic here, um, no. yeah, that was, that was kind of my, my thing growing up was just plastering my walls with the posters. And, um, I remember when the uncensored video came out, I grabbed that. My mom ordered it for me. Cause I, you know, <laughs> I was too young. I didn't have a checking account or, or, right. a card or anything. So she put the order in for me. I got that and a little, uh, motley crew logo uh pendant on a chain and um and you know I'm, I'm shocked that my mom even let me watch that when you go
0: back right. <laughs> i know mine too uh, a lot
1: of the stuff was staged but it was still pretty you know uh all, all my friends would come over and be like oh man this is great you know you'd all wait for that that hot tub limo scene and, yep. you know the flashing and stuff like that and It was just cool man it's just like um, everybody you know but everybody that loved that band wanted to be that band and everybody that was competing with that band wanted to be that band, you know I mean? Everybody came out around that time with that look and that attitude and, and just tried to copy it, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't genuine really.
0: Yeah. I, it's, it's, I always kind of look at like the late seventies, eighties is everybody wishes that they could play at the proficiency of a Van Halen, but have the lifestyle of Motley right. Crue that translated yeah. through music. Yeah, for sure. Oh, man, you're taking me back to Uncensored. Yeah, I'm, I think I was like seven when I saw that. Like, what the hell is wrong with my parents? I would never <laughs> let my kids watch that. Not even now at 13 and 14 would I let them watch that. You know, fast forward this part. Yeah. Oh, it's bananas. So, you know, you're an artist. Uh, when did you start really getting into to art and expressing yourself through art, man? Because your work is amazing. Um, make sure you folks awesome. listening to a link in the podcast. So I got it for uh, for Jesse's uh instagram make sure to click that and check them out give them a follow it's phenomenal thank you man i,
1: I much appreciate it um yeah i just always sketched and, and doodled and you know you, you don't know you just when you're that young it's just everybody telling you that like that's good you, that you got some talent and, and like what's talent i don't know and then when my friends would come over and see what i was doing and they would try to do it obviously i kind of figured out like okay good not everybody can do this yeah um and it did kinda of, I was a little little inherited. My my dad's uh, my grandfather was an artist. Um, used to design greeting cards and then later on I found out on my mom's side there was some some art um history there. So it was definitely a genetic um on, on some part. And and honestly man, I, everything I drew at, at that point from that point on was Motley Crue. Um and I don't know if you've seen in my Instagram a lot, I, I found my old sketchbooks and oh, yeah. a lot of those doodles and stuff that I would do. I mean, I would spend summers, um, uh, just my free time. I mean, it kept me out of trouble too. No. Um, you know, as I got to like my, my early preteen adolescent years when a lot of experimental things are going around and I, I just love drawing, you know, right. and, um, having those photos, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, having those, those pictures and those sketches. Yeah, it's funny. But when I posted, one of them which was kind of like a a scene from home street home video and it's all done on like markers old crayola stuff and um nikki nikki started following me at some point and he actually liked that photo and then commented on it man well that is that is awesome and it's funny because people that know me well like you if 10 if year old jesse knew that <laughs> back then at some point you know nikki zix would see this and, and again, then I, I, even forgot at that moment that like, well, yeah, he sees my artwork every night on stage when he's looking over at Vince. Right. You know, during boy mad. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's uh, it's funny. Cause a lot of the, even at the, the shows over the weekend, a lot of my high um, not high school, but like even grammar school, like elementary school. Cause that's how young I was. Um, always wearing crew shirts just to school and everybody like, dude, when I hear Motley Crue, I think of you, you know, as I was just associated with everybody as, as the biggest Motley Crue fan they knew. And, um, you know they were at the concert and everybody's like you know texting me and on my facebook like dude this is so awesome (laughs) like and it was kind of a cool thing too i mean it seemed you know i started doing vince's guitars back in 07 08 okay Uh, so i mean a long time close to probably 20 guitars i've painted for him but there was just something special about that night um being a fan way where i first saw the red Sox when i was young when when i actually was into baseball not not so much anymore but um it, it was just cool. It was so cool to, to be able to see that up on the big screens and um, the Green Monster.
0: That <laughs> yeah, is badass, man. I've always wanted to go to that ballpark as a guy. That I my fandom has kind of died off from baseball too. But you mentioned something funny about wearing um, elementary school wearing the Motley Crew shirts. The only time I ever got sent home or in trouble, I think I was fourth grade. My yeah. brother's four years older, and uh, I had a crush on a chick in sixth grade. And he's like, yeah. oh, you want to impress her? She's kind of a rocker girl. Wear Motley <laughs> Crue's girls, girls, girls shirt. Wear mine. Take it. And then it was like cut off on the sides. You know, that was like the popular thing. My brother yeah, was he- a drummer. I mean, he looked like, you know, young Tommy Lee, the same hairstyle. Yeah. And uh, so I wear it. And she's like, well, you're kind of a rebel. Because it was the one of them on the front of the strip club and pissing on the back wall on it. Oh, nice. And so, yeah, fourth grade. So I ended up, hey, Misses this the chance. Your son is wearing something inappropriate today. Can you bring him different clothes? My mom was not happy. Oh, wow, They say oh, my, oh, they, that one really. That yeah. One that one. Yeah. Well, it's the, the idea of them pissing on the walls, you know, small little town, you know, pretty conservative town, elementary yeah. school, you know, not knowing that, you know, all the parents pretty stupid then that their kids were doing some dumb shit already, you know? So, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I,
1: the same thing happened to me in junior high. My first concert ever, which that that's what this little uh, flyer is here with the ticket stuff. My first concert ever was the permanent vacation Aerosmith tour, and Guns N' Roses opened. And this is when I first got into Guns N' Roses. And I don't even think I, I knew that Aerosmith was playing. I was just that big of a, a GNR fan. And um, I went with uh, a friend, and um, her stepdad took us and her little sister and she wanted this cool looking monster that was on the shirt. She's like, dad, I like that shirt. I want this. So he buys the shirt for her. We, we go to sit at our seats and they turn the shirt around and it's the Robert Williams appetite for destruction, rape scene shirt on the yeah. back. And he was, Oh no. And uh, I was like, <laughs> at the time I was, I was 12 at the time. So I, um, I was like, well, I'll, I'll take it. So I bought the shirt off of them wore it to school. <laughs> like, <laughs> was a good idea. Yeah. And I don't even think I made it to first period. Uh, you know, like, I had to do it inside out or, or take that thing. I think actually I had to go down to my locker and gym and I wore like a sweaty, stinky gym shirt for the rest of the day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> our That's fandom right. getting us in trouble uh yeah. so you're kind of uh when do you kind of start your career at, at designing and painting you know different stuff primarily you know most of your work like you said is hockey helmets which again mm-hmm. people check out jesse's instagram for jesse's custom designs it's freaking awesome um so when do you really start heading that direction into painting stuff
1: um i would say just write it about a year or two after high school, I went to art, another art school, a um, private art school in Boston for sign painting and truck lottery. Mm. Because um, I'd originally gone to high school for commercial art at the Tech. And then they were kind of transferring over to like graphic communications and everything was computers. I mean, they, they saw what was happening in the future and I wanted to be a tattoo artist. All right. Um, and so I got my first tattoo and then I realized, nah, I can't. <laughs> I can't be this close to people and sticking needles and it just wasn't cool. So, um After uh, a two-year program at this art school and getting into, like, the sign business and uh, truck lettering, and I really wanted to paint Golden Mass, that was was the thing that I really wanted to get into. And then I had already kind of gotten into painting motorcycles because around that time is when West Coast Chopper we're talking like 99, 2000, West Coast Chopper is American, all that stuff was on TV and it was just blowing up. So there was a market for it. Um, And that was kind of how I got into it and it's just, it was like I would paint anything anything anybody want to paint I would do it and guitar is really I mean it's not a big business a lot of guys you know and being a musician I know and it's like you need to buy strings and make sure your gear works I mean making it look good is you know one of the last things that you do um, and, and even now a lot of the stuff is reliced and old and used looking and vintage guitars. so for what I do that there's really not a lot of call for that um, so you know, the whole thing with that is like I I was just lucky that I was able to to you know go forward with that. But that was kind of how um that all started, was coming out of an art school. And they just follow whatever I like doing. You know, like I said, I I was in the Motley Crew paint I paint guitars from Motley Crew. I was in the hockey, I paint goalie mask for for hockey goalies, you know.
0: How did Vince come across your work and you know, really get to that point where you started doing his guitar? You've done seven of his guitars?
1: no i've done well there's a poster here which has 13 guitars on it okay and that's not in all of them um it's funny like i'll I'll do the quick version to how it kind of led up because the first time i ever did something was for Nikki. oh okay Um, i had met Nikki on the bod tour with tracy guns i camped out i waited there at the local radio station i knew they were going to be there and i brought along a bass that i had painted his portrait on the back of for him to sign. And he comes out of the radio station and I grab him and I didn't grab him, but I went up to him and (laughs) he he, he signed my, my and It was cool. And he came over to my car. I took it out. He signed it for me. And then I had a drum head later that night. I had the band signed and everybody was like, well, man, that was cool. Like you you didn't, you didn't give him anything. Like you didn't give him any of your artwork. And I was like, no, I wasn't even thinking about that. (laughs) So the, the next time, um, an opportunity like that came up was um tommy lee came around oh i'm sorry yeah no and then there was the drum heads i had same thing with tommy i that like oh you didn't do anything to give to him so when tommy came around on his book signing for tommy land um i designed this guitar i'm sorry a uh, motorcycle tank put some artwork on it with him and gave it to him and he was all excited like oh, dude this is awesome this is awesome man i want you to paint my drums i'm like hell yeah dude totally want to totally want to do that here's my card I'm like he's not going to call me I'm never going to hear from him well a week later it's a weird number comes up on my phone I think I've only been, been in business for like a couple of years This was a four, I think it was right before because I remember asking him in line I was like dude what's going on Look, they were talking about the red white and crew thing. right the crew getting back together I was like is it really happening he's like we just haven't all four got in the same room until we do that I can't really say I was like okay because i was like he wants me to paint his drums he's not playing drums right now you know so uh, that was kind of made me think of it think of it because he was uh will hunt at the time was uh, doing doing the drums on the solo tour for him and um he called me that number i didn't know left a voicemail and it was him telling me that he wanted me to paint his drums (laughs) so i called the number back i had a quick little conversation with him and um the drums never showed up and i I kind of knew it was. It was. There was no way it was going to be able to happen. They would have to ship to me. I don't know if you, you remember that tour was like that thing got thrown together real quick. Yeah, yeah. And he ended up wrapping that thing in fur, which was cool. But yeah. I, I, there was no time for the drum, you know, DW out in California to ship it to me, paint it, and get it back to him. So, um, still cool. The fact that he called me, I got to talk to him. That was great. Yeah. So now Nikki does the Heroin Diaries. That book comes out. Ovation Guitars, which was a local guitar company at the time in Connecticut was doing a giveaway of the heroin diaries, limited edition guitar. And I did the same thing, gave Nikki this artwork and he's freaking out. Should I should have you paint a base for me, you know, give him my card, same thing. And then I get a call a few days later from the guys down in Ovation. They were shipping the tank back to Nikki huh. and said, Hey man, we're looking at this artwork you got, and, and it's pretty cool. Would you be interested in doing anything for Vince? We're working on a tattoo guitar for him. And I was like, Oh yeah, that, that sounds cool. So, um, we need it done real quick. I'm like, no problem. You know, I'm not that far. So they shipped it up to me and I got it in a day. I did this artwork that one of the tattoo artists at his tattoo shop did. Got that done back to them within, within a week. And then that, I kind of got the ball rolling when they needed some stuff done for the Motley Cruise, which was now it's kind of like the Mosses of Rock Cruise, but back then it was called the Motley Cruise. And right. Vince headlined it and slaughter and rat and you know all these bands are playing underneath it, and um, I did a couple of guitars for that that they auctioned off for some of the charities and um, management called me, and then from then it just kept kept rolling. I got a call from Vince's manager um, later on to do another um, guitar, and uh, it was kind of like out of Ovation's hands at that point, and then they got sold to Fender like all that. So right. it just, and I just. I got lucky in, in that in that sense because every year they would call up and hey, you wanna do another guitar? And I was like, Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm down.
1: And I uh-huh. said so that was um prior to Saints of Los Angeles coming out. So the first guitar I did for Vince, which is this one here, or uh a, this was a backup for him that I that um was kind of a replica that I did. You mm-hmm. got to keep whole band signed that. But that was the first one um I did as like a Motley Crue theme. Yeah. And um from there it was the dr feel good anniversary tour so i did the nurses um those are the first two that i that I did as motley guitars
0: man that's cool that is one of those situations where it's like if your 10 year old self you could tell you know oh, yeah. i know yeah. for for me just the biggest regret i have we had uh, I was working in radio and we had this engineer and he just put all of our backups on this crappy hard drive that crashed but I had my uh conversations with everybody but Vince I think was the only person I didn't interview on air but talked to him in person and they're all gone. I mean Mick I ended up the last person of the day talking to him. And I started with simply, Hey man, you're my Jeff Beck. And he was ready to talk. And we talked for like 45 minutes. It's like, Oh gosh, <laughs> how did I not archive this stuff better? Uh, speaking of archiving, Cruzeum, man, I mean, your collection, people, again, click that link in the podcast description, follow Jesse's Cruzeum. It's all this merch that is like, oh, I had that. Oh, I wanted to buy that. What? what when did you just decide, hey, we're going to put out, I'm going to put out this Instagram with all of my crew stuff. Um, It, it all
1: started, Well, you know, pandemic kind of, you know, crippled everybody at, for, at some point over for something. And I mean, I kept busy with work. But um, there were times where we couldn't, you know, come into the shop or just the work wasn't there. So I had started thinking about, you know, all the stuff I've been collecting over the years. I I don't have enough room to (laughs) to really, I mean, what you see I have up is like everything that I can't. It's all my own stuff. There's stuff that I've done from Vince and I got some guitars and drum heads. But um, all that stuff, dude, I have so much stuff. And I'm like, I don't get to look at this stuff. I can't showcase it. And, you know, I always wanted to set up a website. I know other fans and other collectors that have met and gotten to know over the years that have had their websites and they're great and they get awesome collections. I mean, I know I have a good collection, but there's guys out there that, and girls that have way more than I do, I'm sure. Or and I guess it kind of depends on, you know, I don't have a lot of personal items or like awards. I mean, there's things that like cost a lot of money. Sure. The memorabilia stuff is a lot easier to, to get a hold of and isn't always as expensive. So I kind of focus on that stuff because the personalized things are, it just gets crazy. And really it's like that stuff belongs in the hard rock for other people to see.
0: Yeah. What
1: are you gonna do? I don't have any memories attached to that stuff, but like the t-shirt, like my first, um, uh, crew shirt was the theater of pain, Alistair fiend. It was the baseball Jersey style.
0: Yeah.
1: And every time I see that, man, I don't know what it, it, it just brings me back to being that kid. And, um, so I love t-shirts. I'm a sucker for the t-shirts. And I love it. the vintage stuff and the bootlegs. Um, so, so that's kind of what started. It was like, I just wanted to be able to see it and and post it. And I thought about a Facebook page or an Instagram page. And at the time I'm like well, um, Instagram way more. So I started uploading that stuff because um, a Facebook page, uh, crewcollector.com, collector.com uh, Facebook page is kind of what made me get the idea. Cause he had set up, he had all the social media stuff. He had a Facebook page, Twitter, uh-huh instagram but i didn't really see too many people doing it on instagram i'm like oh, this, this would be cool I'll, I'll start throwing stuff up on there and um kind of based it off of uh johnny five john five has has a kiss on uh knights and satan service if you don't follow that one check that I'll out check right? that out only, yeah he only collects uh makeup years wow like uh 73 to 82 like you know once ace and peter are gone he's he doesn't collect that type of stuff um and he actually has nikki's black warlock from the uh too fast shout of the devil days Uh, nikki gifted him Uh, that few years ago that that to me would be one of the things i would love to to own is is one of nikki's um iconic bases i know there's a guy out there that bought a bunch of them up and he's got the skull and crossbone base from uh girls 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 I'm a little bit of dr feel good so he scored a bunch of stuff so when i see that stuff that's like ooh.
0: yeah like having uh mick's uh my favorite painting when mick was still uh, the kramers was definitely the theater of pain one that had the album artwork on it like and you know in the home sweet home video it's like oh that's that's in the one most,
1: that's the most requested painted paint job on the guitar i get i think i've done like six or seven of them really over the years i, I have one of my own um, get the band signed. I got the whole band to sign that. So that, that and this ovation here, those are probably the two crown jewels in in, in the collection. um And again, it's just it's. You feel oh, what do you think that's worth? You can't price it. Man. That's yeah. not not for sale. <laughs> not <Another> for sale. <laughs> my, <laughs> exactly. son, my son will uh, inherit <laughs> that. One.
0: That's a family heirloom. Yeah. I mean, and so many cool stuff, like, uh, uh, I mean, Nikki had so many cool basses. The Thunderbird was my favorite uh, cause I played, I'm a terrible bass player, but I play, um, and definitely I, you know, I had a couple of different Thunderbirds and Epiphone and eventually a Gibson, but, uh, had to hock them and, all that it's like god i had so much cool shit i had a gene simmons punisher one of the autographed ones it's like why did i not save this stuff i ended up broke anyway so you know at least i would have had it
1: yeah it's tough to i I still have the very first um like real i I say real bass i started out playing guitar and a funny story um uncensored (laughs) the nikki story about getting his first guitar which was les paul but you know, didn't know the difference between a bass. He so took the strings off. I told my friend about that, so we kind of did the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I, because I I, 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 my, we already had a bass player. I wanted to play bass, and I tried singing and I couldn't sing because I was like twelve. And I sucked. So, um, we got this guitar, and once I got rid of the guitar, I traded to a friend for some money in uh, in a bass. It was kind of a crappy bass, so I don't really call that my first bass. My first bass I found in a local music store here in Boston, which is called Daddy's Junkie Music, was um, a USA made warlock oh. white black binding just like the Blood Sessions. Yeah. And I saw that, and I'm like, I have to have that at the time. I think it was like five hundred bucks. And I barely had enough for it. I had to go into my savings and I bought it. I still have that to this day. And then from then on it was on in the search for the 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 sister of that, which was the black, which was yeah. The black with the white binding, just like in a um live wire video and then you know, you see it on the all the shout at the devil stuff. But um I didn't I didn't get to locate one of those until not that long ago, probably like six or seven years ago. So I have the two white and blacks. And then my second bass was once I started playing in original bands and stuff like that, like this is like the early mid nineties and we were playing kind of Arrow Smith. Um, black crows type of vibe. I wasn't in the grunge, so I kind of went that that route. Yeah, yeah. And I'm up there with a warlock. It just looked crazy. <laughs> you know. So I bought a Thunderbird with the tobacco finish on it. Um, similar to the ones that you see in like, the Gibson posters back then that Nikki was kind of yeah. endorsing at the time. And uh, I still have that as well. So th- those two um, over the years I've had tons of bases um i still i have tons of bases, but I've sold the shitload and I've gained a bunch back, but those two have always stayed in the collection i've never never gotten rid of those,
0: yeah, I tried a th- the uh blackbird for a while, but it was kind of like it's just got an on switch uh <laughs> you know so oh, that, uh, yeah it just shuts off the, yeah. The yeah yeah, that was kind of one oh, I'm gonna, yeah, as cool as it looks, one. I'm passing on it, yeah.
1: Well they, they you know they were smart when they put the epiphone out of that the epiphone model because that was like a few hundred dollars as opposed to a couple of grand because that's yeah. what those things were going for and they were brand new um, and then they, then it got oversaturated because I remember seeing them. he get up for like two hundred dollars on eBay and then when he switched over to Schechter, um those became even more scarce. so then yeah. it, it's funny watching how things go and that being a collector, I always watch that stuff because. I know I'll never get my money back for everything that I've spent over the years, Um, but you have to be careful. You know, it's it can get get a hold of you. Man, it was I I maxed a couple credit cards out my younger years In my mid twenties. (laughs) I I got in a real bad um, uh, motorcycle accident, which kind of actually put me in business full time because I couldn't go back to my sign job because I couldn't, you know, climb ladders and do heavy lifting. Um, So for like two months, I had a broken back. And that's when I discovered eBay and I had a couple of credit cards and uh, that, that that's when the, you know, cause at that time, like you could only get the memorabilia that you could find in stores and flea markets and get handed down to people that were getting rid of their collection, you know, cause in the nineties and two thousands, nobody wanted anything to do with eighties bands. All right. So I got I got a lot of stuff back then cheap. Um, but, you know, getting on eBay, it's like, Ooh, I remember seeing that and never being able to find that, you know, um so I, I got away from collecting for a while for a long time because uh you know, I was just building up my business and um it just wasn't you know, I, I had all my stuff packed away in storage and still a lot of my stuff is in storage containers and stuff. But um I try to take it out and then that, that was another thing too, going through it um to to set up the Instagram page, I just taking inventory. You know, so I forgot what I had. A lot of this stuff. I'm like, oh <laughs> man, I have it. <laughs> oh man, I have three of these. I have two of these. So, and that's the thing. A lot of people, I mean, Instagram started out was, you know, looked at it as a store or somewhere to sure. buy stuff. It was just people posting cool photos and everybody would always ask how much, how much is that for sale? And I'm like, no, not for sale. Um, so I did, I did recently just go through and, and put aside all my doubles and stuff and stuff that I know that I'm really not too attached to. And I did start selling some stuff um in uh i don't know i think i got i got a good amount of stuff still left that i'll be putting up for sale
0: right on um, yeah uh as far as uh your collection of any uh bootlegs rare um you know vinyl cds whatever what are some of your favorites maybe that you have because i i've got a couple of cool ones i got a it's a um japanese album my cousin got me when he was in the air force and it has uh, black widow on it which i had yeah. never heard that song so he got me this was 20 something years ago i'm like holy oh, shit a motley crew song i've never heard you know <laughs> was like, all right yeah
1: that was that was one of the cool things about like i was in the harvard square um area that i grew up um, frequenting and buying all excuse me all my vinyl um you was second coming records, mystery train records. It was local out of here. And that's where we would find all the bootlegs. Um, it was just these weird covers. We're like, what is this? You know? And uh, back then they were like 20 bucks. You know, the, the original pressings were five, six dollars. I have right. I, I a leather. I, I have a copy of my, the first leather records. Oh. Uh, I think it's, I want to say it's a second pressing. It's not the black and white. It's got the red yeah. uh, lettering on it. And it. It's not in great shape. And somebody wrote all over with pen and spilled like some wax or glue on it. It's not in the best shape, but I paid 10 bucks for it in a secondhand record store. So to me, that's, that's cool. Um, And then I have all original pressings from all the Electra years. And then the bootlegs, Yeah, some of the picture discs and stuff. I remember that same store bought um, Running Wild, which is, a bootleg that had before they put it out on the CD, the Supersonic Demonic Relics. Yeah, all the the demos from Shout at the Devil. And it's funny because there's actually um, a Dawkins song on there. Which one? I think it's Breaking the Chains. Oh, okay. I was like, why is this on here? This is not. And at the time, I didn't even know that it was a Dawkins song.
0: I was like, it sounds like
1: Don Dawkins. Cause I hadn't, I had gotten like under lock and key and, and forward, you know, and yeah, yeah. Man, breaking the chains with it. But, um, and it's funny because later on finding out that there's a song, I don't know if you've ever seen or heard the, uh, song young girls by Dawkins.
0: sounds it's familiar.
1: It looks, looks the kill riff.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> like, right. Huh?
1: It's like this big controversy of who ripped who off. And I'm like, well, if you look at when that song was recorded by Don Dawkins it's predates Motley. Sure. You know? I mean, maybe Motley's in the early stages of forming the band in 81, but I always thought it was kind of odd that Greg Leon, who was in sweet 19 with Tommy and kind of got together and was forming Motley with, with them was also in Dawkin. Right. So like, oh that's like a riff he had left over that Tom uh, probably Nikki remembered. Yeah. In, then and, and then going back and listening to Judas Priest's um, "Screaming for Vengeance" album, I believe it is one of those albums. There's like there's a, a chorus that sounds like "Jeez, God looks to kill." It's whatever the, the 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 Priest song is. I'm like, oh man, they took those two songs, right? And they made that and they made it. It's, but it's it's killer song. It's one of my. I "Looks to kill's prime probably my favorite Molly Cruise
0: song. Same. Same. First wrist I learned on guitar, that I just sat there so I could get the, the pedaling part, the feel of the, how the notes yeah, and the yeah, chords yeah. move. by <laughs> yeah. just sitting forever. Then, my you know, what's
1: crazy is I just, Tom Wormin, the, the producer really? of that album, and, and the next two after that, did an interview where he talks about the, and, and I noticed, as soon as he said it, I'm like, you're right, because I well listen to the isolated tracks, and listen to the isolated tracks from that album when the keyboards come in on the chorus it's like this and it's like you don't even hear that when you listen to the song you just hear nick and tommy and yeah squealing and he's like dude that is just the james bond theme that i was doing that yeah. and a melody that and i'm like holy shit that's exactly what that is. <laughs> and, uh, you know it's like later on now that like you know you have podcasts and, and all these interviews that people putting up on youtube and stuff and getting to find out where all these songs were born and where they came from. And it's just, it it makes being a fan like even better. Cause back then, like you said, you read, you read magazines and like putting out YouTube and interviews and podcasts are like the circus hip paraders and cream magazines of us growing up, you know?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. That's interesting. You mentioned Tom Worman. I've been trying to find any way to contact him, to talk with him. Like actually, you know, get his side of what the experience was like. Either, right? I don't, I heard he was doing like He's an here Airbnb in
1: He's here in Massachusetts. Really? Yeah. yeah. That's it's what like, I heard. It was probably like... about an hour and hour and a half, maybe like kind of close to the Berkshires, like kind of on the New York border. Sure. Um, and I've wanted to go. And, and stay um, because he says, you know, it's, it, it's, uh, I, you know, I mean, he might've, I don't know if he's still doing it now, but he did an interview on, on um there's a guy out there that uh, does a bunch of like, you know, old eighties um, bands and stuff like that, but he had him on and he was promoting his uh, bed and breakfast on there in uh, just great, great interview, you know? And I know he, he kind of had a falling out with Nikki and stuff. It kind of sucks because, um, you know, you yeah. want to hear more stories, and I think a lot of the times people, when they know that there's that there, they're, they're gonna hold back a lot, and they don't wanna, yeah, you know, really say anything that's gonna. To- you know ruffle anybody's feathers so
0: yeah Nikki's not exactly lacking being relentless he'll you throw it at him (laughs) he'll throw it back you know like the 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 eddie vetter situation and it's like what's the irony that came out and i saw pearl jam two days later and i'm like Mm -hmm. okay a totally different thing a looser it's like both awesome bands like can you just be like cool with like these per- people made this music and this music you can like them both yeah, not was, like I, either it's like yeah,
1: apples and oranges man because that was like when, I, when all that stuff happened i think the best response to that was the iron chic <laughs> <you see>
0: <laughs> like, dude nobody cares shut up yeah. <laughs> hey, <laughs> it hey baba nobody was, cares
1: <laughs> yeah dude, it was like a kind of point like, but dude i mean and i don't know if you saw all the stuff that happened this morning with, with tommy's instagram post it's like these guys I didn't. Just,
0: yeah. Oh, you didn't? No, what happened is breaking for oh, me, dude, man. He posted, a, he posted a full-on dick
1: pic this morning on Instagram.
0: Oh, good Lord. <laughs> like, full well, frontal nudity.
1: It was like, did he mean to send that to Britney or something? But, like, right. it stayed up there for a while. And uh, now it's, like, all over. If you look up Tommy Lee, it's like, <laughs> I, it's I think legit, legit, like dude, these guys just love the controversy. They love the
0: yeah.
1: I'll just I mean you know, I'm looking at like dude these guys are they're pushing sixty or in their sixties and this is still what they're doing man it's it's, it's pretty yeah. funny.
0: <laughs> and you gotta love Mick. He just wants to go up and continue to be a loud rude aggressive guitar player. Yeah and that was the thing
1: man growing up being so young you know, I always looked at Mick as like the outsider. Yeah. You know, I was just like that dude just doesn't fit. He doesn't yeah. fit but in, in later years realizing like he's the glue. Yep. you know, without yep. that, without him, those guys would have, you know, imploded. Yeah, you know, I do think in the beginning there, like he, he, you know, obviously Nikki's the architect of that band, and Tommy's the foundation. I mean, anybody that the thing about Tommy that I love is th- just the groove, and you know, I used to being younger man. I don't know if about you, but like I used to get fucking arguments all the time with drummers, Neil Peart. Tommy Lee, you know, and yep. then Geddy Lee, Nikki Six, you know, it was like, you know, it was always like the technical guys and the Steve Harrises and the Nico McBrains and it was like, yeah, but they don't have attitude, man. They're not like, how many chicks want to be with those dudes, you know? Yeah, exactly. I don't know if you like my argument, but like, you know, Tommy's a solid drummer. Yep. And anybody that's worked with him will say that, and other drummers will look at him and, and say that, you know, they respect him as a drummer, even with all the other crap that goes along with it. And you know, Nikki takes some slack for his bass playing, but and he writes killer songs. He's a great, lyricist, exactly. you know, and to be able to write songs for someone that sings like Vince and know that he had to do that says a lot about, yeah. you know, his, um, his talent to be able I, to do that.
0: Yeah. I agree fully uh, on the Tommy Lee front. I think Rob Zombie had one of the coolest things talking about him when he, when he played on Dragula and he's like, just sitting. the guy was like a metronome and just sitting and watching record. I don't remember how many symbols he broke, but it was just like (laughs) the guy just is 100% there, like in the pocket playing. And there's something to be said for that, that that ranks like, like a Phil Rudd from ACDC. It's really basic, but you can get lost really fast. And, you know, it's just those guys like for me, I, I love that's what I love about Mick. Can he play fast and all these technical things? Yeah, he gets it. He's he's studied the the blues and, and progressive stuff, but he just there's something about his feel, especially, in, you know, I know you've listened to demos too prior to him coming in and doing the stuff that he does. And you're like, wow, Mick makes this song 900 times better you know hey,
1: it's funny because nick and tommy when you listen to demos that doesn't change yeah Vince's voice will change because of the effects and the production put behind it nick and tommy th- you can't deny that that's them on a demo yeah um in i don't know how much you know guitar you get into but me playing bass and i've always wanted i always wanted to put together a motley crew tribute band and i tried unsuccessfully <laughs> I was in a Guns N' Roses one for a while, a huge influence on me, so that was that was cool. But anytime I would get guitar players down, when they actually, they thought they knew the song. Sure. They thought they knew how to play the song until they had to learn it. And when we're playing it, I'm like, it's not right. It's not, you know. You're playing it, sounds like, this isn't a cover band, this is a tribute band, so we want right. to sound like them, while we're looking like them, and all that stuff. But when they would actually figure it out, and go, holy shit, man, this dude is like... I oh totally underestimated him. These are cool parts, or these. That's not like you know, kickstart my heart. Pretty yeah. straightforward song, I and mean, yeah, it's a was a bad uh, bad motor scooter or something. yeah, very yeah,
0: bad. Yeah, very bad.
1: That um, that riff, that verse riff is, and even when I would play it, I I think it's like a power chords, but he's playing it a little different. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like that Keith Richards thing where it's there's different tuning and there's different ways of playing that song that he does that you don't know it until you try to play it or somebody plays it the wrong way, but they think it's the right way, you know?
0: Yeah, he um, throws in a lot of cool little bluesy stuff that that that, that, yeah. that, that turn that into a hard rock metal vibe that yeah. is just like yeah you would miss those nuances unless you knew and then you're like yeah. shit i know what he's doing but just because yeah. i know what he's doing doesn't mean i can do what he's doing oh uh,
1: yeah oh totally I, I, same thing like with um you know eddie van halen like the taps and all that stuff and everybody emulated him, but nobody was able to to replicate it yeah. you know and nobody ever will it's 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 him it's eddie same thing with mick nobody's ever going to be able to and tommy like i said i've seen motley I don't know how many times without, without Tommy, um, in the middle of those tours, you know, when he blew his hand up with fireworks or he had, uh, (laughs) that was on the Dr. Field anniversary tour. And you just had, um, the dude from seven dust. Yeah. Morgan
0: Rose. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, it was definitely, I mean, it was cool that they kept, kept going, but it was, you know, when you know that band, you, you know, that it's just not them. And they, did it on the last tour the last time i thought i was actually going to see them on the last tour with the final tour um is when tommy had like the the wrist problems and stuff and alice cooper's drummer had to fill in that night and they didn't yeah. you know he didn't do the drum solo so you know you lost a lot of the stuff that wasn't part of that show um but the biggest thing for me was just that feel wasn't there you know yeah. wasn't tommy back then. i mean yeah he came out and said hey and played hopes we do the piano but um when they're not together and it's, it's it's just one of those things. And they know it like all those guys get in a the room. There's just something there.
0: Yeah, you know? absolutely. All right, Jesse, let's finish this off. Uh, give me your top five Motley Crue songs and why. Oof.
1: All right. So I would say there's going to be like one off of each album. I want to say, take me to the top off of too fast. I don't know. For some reason, man, the shit hair, <laughs> hair stands on the back of my neck. You know, every time I hear it, um, and then i'm gonna go it looks to kill yeah um i'm gonna skip over theater actually because i I was i would have said smoking in the boys room but i've kind of lost lost it for that song lately so then i'm gonna say 10 seconds to love instead of that
0: oh i love 10 seconds to love is such a great that's such a cool bass part just a fun little groove to kind of play along he he,
1: he said he was he was playing it during a sound check with the, the kiss tour. He's like, it's Do- calling Dr. Love.
0: <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, I love that
1: song. It's one of my favorite kiss songs. Uh, so that's three. And then, um, oh, man, Dr. Feel good. It's that groove. Primal scream.
0: Oh God. Primal screams. Great. And I think that, I, I guess that's it, man. That's five, right? That's five. That's, that's five. five. Yeah. yeah. Primal scream. Just that cool bass drum just coming in with that groove and then mick just ripping in it's just you know along with the, the vince wow <laughs> you know it's like you yeah.
1: know I, right. uh, I will get too into it because i know we're, we're, we're short on time here but that i really wish that had kind of been where they went with that if they could have kept that together for the 94 i agree or 93 whatever would have been the next crew album i think i think they would have i think they would have pushed through if they could could have kept it together personally but um you know, they didn't and but that, that I when I when that came out, I was like, Oh man, this is it. This is like they're gonna they're gonna yep. keep going. You yeah, know, it would have been cool if they had.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh your rating on the Motley Crew, Motley Crew album, like it, don't like it, not a crew no. album, but cool as an album.
1: I, I used to say that all the time. I used to say, Yeah, it should have been called Motley Crew. Um, but you know what, it it, it was it was. Yeah. You know, um it just wasn't with Vince. And you know, I remember again, that was pissed off then because if any one of us ever left the band, there'd be no more motley crew. That's what they always said. All right. Okay, well, you know, you said that five years ago. <laughs> <They're dead. laughs> they, they never do what they're gonna say. So it was totally Motley to say, fuck you. Sure. You know, like we, do what we want. You know, Vince didn't want to be there, they didn't want him there. It was like it was to me, and that's the whole thing, but would, do you do you quit or did you get fired? You, neither one of you guys wanted to work with each other.
0: Yeah. It's just how it
1: was then, you know, and it's nothing wrong with that. Um, And I do think Karabi got an unfair shake and all that because people weren't comparing them. But, I mean, dude, that's, to me, Sonically is the best-sounding album. And when I met Karabi, I said that to him. I was like, dude, it's the best-sounding album they ever put out. Yeah. You know, it wasn't shout at the Devil. It wasn't Girls, Girls, Girls. It was what it was. You know, but, like, when you listen to that, the production that went into that, I mean, Bob Rock is just coming off the Metallica success and the Doctor Field. He, He did great with it, I thought, you know? Yeah. But yeah. it just wasn't what your typical motley crew fan
0: wanted so yeah no it, it was badass for sure uh any of the uh other like side projects from any of the guys stuff that you dig um i know that i thought 58 was a brilliant album that nikki six was a part of and i would have loved to have seen that some sort of tour behind that brides was pretty cool tommy solo stuff i dug i've enjoyed it all
1: yeah i i was i i supported everything man um the 58 album i kind of lost kind of lost me on that yeah um of destruction i loved um and because i was you know i was an la guns fan i loved um what tracy did with that and together i thought those guys put a great band together and at that time it was what i was still into that real punk sure um just high energy rock it was it was what i was into at the time um Vince's solo stuff, uh, Exposed. I got that. I saw him a bunch on that, that tour. First time I saw Van Halen, he was opening up for them on that tour. Um, and I liked all Tommy stuff. Um, Methods of Mayhem was cool, even though it wasn't. I remember, <laughs> I remember being at a Methods of Mayhem show. Steve Perkins was on the drums, and they did a double solo. And I'm up there screaming Motley Crue, and people are, like, turning around looking at me. Like, <laughs> Dude, you did Motley Crue. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> at that time, you know, late 90s. Yeah, you know, Olympus get and Corn. Like, sure. nobody wanted to hear Molly Crew. You know, I think the only thing he did was like a techno version of, of Shout at the Devil. Uh, um, but I supported it all, you know, and I, and I did, you know, going back and, and reflecting on it, the certain albums I like better than others. Yeah. Vince is Carved in Stone, I didn't, I didn't really get too into. Uh, Tattoos of yeah. Tequila was cool. It had, you know, some cool covers and stuff like that. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I thought I it was a yeah. mix. Can't wait for Mick's new album. I That's what that. I'm going to ask you.
1: And putting it up there, man. And when you see the show, it says 2023. Really? And and Mick, there's a picture, like an an animated um, uh, illustration of Mick. So uh, I'm hoping this is what it means that it's actually definitely going to come out because we've been, how long has he been saying? If yeah.
0: 20 oh. something years. Thank God. Cause wow. you know, that he's played a lot of like uh, brides of destruction, played some stuff, helped produce. There was uh, a Hinder song, um, take it to the limit where, you know, even the lead singer, you know, take it Mick. And just a freaking yeah, yeah. killer guitar solo. But it's like, when are we going to get this full thing? Is it going to be like, um, oh God, uh, uh, uh supersonic demonic relics, uh bittersweet. Oh, he did.
1: Yeah, that was originally Coordinary, which was yeah. the EP that came off of the 94 album. And I love that. Yeah. And, and Nikki, I'm um, sorry, Tommy did Planet Boom, which is right. kind of like that techno thing. And they, they put it on the Pam Landis and Barb Wire movie. But both those were one of my favorite songs off of that. Um, and I mean, that's kind of funny because I had my stepdad's old records and Jeff Beck Blow by Blow. Oh. If, we, if, if we're, what the heck is the name? Do you know the song I'm talking about? I do. It, that, that's pretty much that mix top the mix song bittersweet. Yeah. If you listen to it, it's it's like a, a heavier bluesier version of it. Uh, but I got it. I'm like, yeah, dude, Jeff Beck. It's his, it's his Eddie Van Halen. You know, yeah. it's, it's 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 his biggest hero, and of course he's gonna pay tribute to him. So um, yeah, I love that. I can't wait to see what what um what the the mix solo album's gonna be. I'm looking yeah. forward to
0: it yeah hell yeah uh jesse if people want to know more about all the work you're doing with jesse's custom design cruzeum all that you got anything else you want to throw out there to folks please
1: Uh no and you know check check it check it out hope you like it um share it if you do spread spread the word a motley crew fan uh gets to uh paint for motley crew and um yeah. Uh, I I think it's cool. And I don't, I don't like, I'm not trying to like brag or I'm, I'm probably, you know, that's the last thing I, I want out of that. But I just, when I tell people, I talk to people and they find out, it's just cool to know that they know that that happened. Yeah. That someone didn't appreciate that that much. Cause you know, it's just kind of, that's what, I, that's what I think is cool about it because in, in any sense, when you, when you find out somebody gets to work with their heroes and stuff like that, it's um it's always cool to know that i mean, it worked out for
0: them, you know? Yeah, it's inspiring. It's kind of like, you know, keep, it, you know, big thing as I've talked on the podcast as a guy in, you know, recovery and like how much my life continues to change is like, if you have something you're passionate about, you know, keep, keep doing it. Let, let all the attention or the other stuff or what, whatever have be secondary. If it makes you feel good about you, keep going forward because you never know what gifts life's going to give you. You can't predict that, but you just exactly. went after it and just like, Hey man, you inspired me. I do this artwork. Here's this gift. And it just turns into something. And that's just kind of how life is a trip like that.
1: Yeah. And that's cool that you do that, man. I saw that that's, that's what your other podcast and stuff sort about that. That's awesome that you're doing that, man. I think it's awesome
0: yeah i not appreciate sure. that yeah a lot of good episodes you know if you would have told a 10 year old me i would be talking to charlie sheen not once but twice i would have called you a liar you know <laughs> and, and like i told him i'm glad we both met when we were sober he's like fucking right yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. oh good lord hey man this has been awesome we'll have to come back on you ever think of a topic you want to talk about you got some total knowledge you're dropping stuff on me um you know let's do it again if there's you know something you want to dig into you come up with an idea this has been a blast
1: man i'd love to man um but when i first saw that you had i was like this is the only motley crew because po- there's like a million kiss and, sure you know, and like, you're like the only motley crew one man so we're gonna make it the best one uh possible i definitely want to come back on if we could and uh
0: yeah talk, please talk shop, you know, talk, yeah because all of a food. sudden i had it going years and years ago And then I started the knocking doors down thing. And uh, the guy that was helping fund a lot of stuff, he's like, I just want you focused on this. I'm like, really? I'm getting like, 3000 listens per episode and i'm just talking about my favorite band of all time are you sure you want me to stop and so you know it's kind of building it back up now again because everybody's got a podcast it's the new blog you know
1: yeah it's blown blown up but yeah i remember when you first came out with it and then yeah i was like what happened where the (laughs) (laughs) episode and when i saw you back back doing it i'm like sweet this is awesome i was looking forward to, to hearing
0: what you were doing again hell yeah and then the, the demand is now get some of this stuff on youtube so folks i'll try to get this they don't people it takes a lot of time and this is yeah. my fourth podcast that i'm doing the other ones i do for income this is just because i love to talk about yeah. motley crew so but
1: uh i to pump it man i'll pump this and all your other uh podcasts out there and hopefully we'll uh get, get, get some more listeners and more followers
0: absolutely all right you come up with the topic we'll get you back on here shortly i'm going to talk with a guy that uh here um so after this episode kind of giving a sneak peek to people he uh wrote and directed a uh play and was called uh crude and i guess that nikki actually threw some backlash Mm -hmm. at him so i'm gonna have him on (laughs) we're gonna talk about that how that went down and you know everything so it's it's kind of interesting all these other ancillary things that are going on with this this band that just won't go away sorry all you (laughs) all you critics you know they like you said the big middle finger fuck you forever so yeah all right brother well again folks click the links for jesse there in the podcast description give him a follow his his custom design work is phenomenal you can see the guitars up on there and of course cruzeum uh just a fun page to follow scroll through some of the stuff and go oh i had that oh i wanted that uh but check it yeah, out and- the
1: instagram's motley cruzeum and then the uh the, the business one is just jesse's custom design maybe i don't think i'll guitars and stuff on there so it's pretty easy to
0: find so heck yeah all right hey thanks man and uh, thank you uh fellow crew head for listening to the podcast again apple podcast spotify hit that subscribe button share share with the fellow crew head uh all the social medias are at Crewcast. and on that note crew heads are best fuck the rest